Welcome to Protecting Animal Welfare in Today's World, Building Unity Through Understanding, a series of podcasts sponsored by the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association and the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. I'm Jen Robinson, the Registrar and CEO of the College of Veterinarians of Ontario, and I'm the host of this session. There are six sessions in this podcast series focused on veterinary medicine and animal welfare. This is session five. And today we are going to discuss the role of veterinarians and inspectors in the provincial animal welfare services system, along with how to build collaborative relationships between the professions. I'm joined by Scott Sylvia, a senior investigator and program development officer with the provincial animal welfare services at the ministry of the solicitor general. And I'm also joined by Dr. Sarah Thompson, the Interim Veterinary Director at the Humane Society of Kitchener-Waterloo in Stratford-Perth. Sarah graduated from the Ontario Veterinary College in 2003 and spent 16 years in general practice before transitioning to shelter medicine. Welcome and thank you for joining me today. So I think that uh, what we'll do is let's begin our conversation really with an overview of what's known as, I guess, uh, more colloquially as the PAWS Act or the Provincial Animal Welfare Services Act. And I wanted, Scott, maybe if you could start us off and lead this section with a bit of an overview. Sure, I'll be happy to. Ontario's animal welfare legislation, the Provincial Animal Welfare Services Act, came into force on January 1st, 2020. In June of 2019, the provincial government created an interim animal protection service to allow for the transition from the previous legislation, the Ontario SPCA Act, to the current legislation of the PAWS Act. The province's animal welfare services officially took over as the primary animal protection agency on January 1st, 2020, which established the first fully provincial government-based animal welfare protection system in Canada. Currently, right now, Ontario has the strongest provincial penalties in Canada for people who violate animal welfare laws. Animal Welfare Services has a current complement of about 128 inspectors across five regions in the province. Uh, animal welfare inspectors conduct inspections to ensure compliance with regulations and standards of care under the PAWS Act, as well as conduct investigations into the violations of the Act, which include causing or permitting distressed animals. Perfect. I wonder, uh, Sarah, uh, if you might uh, comment about how veterinarians have a role in the PAWS Act. So within the PAWS Act, uh, veterinarians' roles um, are really divided into mandatory reporting and responsibilities regarding euthanasia. And I would say that each of these has a varying level of contact with the animal welfare inspectors. So really, veterinarians would be familiar with a past duty uh, to report um, on a mandatory basis concerns to OSPCA agents under the previous act. That still exists. Uh, reporting to um, a, a system which will end, ultimately end up in, in the hands of an animal welfare inspector. So that would be uh, where there was reasonable grounds to support abuse or neglect. Uh, what I did learn from my review of the legislation is that reporting now includes concern for physical or psychological hardship. 
uh, privation and what we would think of as organized fighting. So concerns, say, for fighting dogs, organized fighting rings, things like that. Certainly the psychological hardship, I think, is a new addition and something that we would need to pay attention to as veterinarians. Uh, furthermore, specific sections of the Act provide veterinarians with the authority to euthanize an animal under specific circumstances without owner consent. And I will note that I refer to the particular writing of this section every time I consider whether or not to euthanize an animal that is clearly suffering and requires euthanasia without an owner consenting to that procedure. So in chatting about the overview of the PAUSE system, got a lot of components to it. And really what we're talking about here and what we're starting to really blend into are these two very different yet complementary roles, right? The role of the inspector and the role of the veterinarian. And these are both really very prominent. Scott, I wonder if you could speak a little bit more specifically about the role of an inspector in the system. So as I mentioned before, we have a parallel role when it comes to our responsibilities, conducting both inspections and investigations. We conduct inspections to determine compliance with the act and take actions to correct the compliance issues. Or in some cases, we remove animals that are determined to be in distress to provide the animals with necessary care. Investigations can be of both animals in distress as set out in the PAWS Act, and its regulations, and also with non-compliance uh, with various regulations as well. In many cases, we have a circumstance where we must engage services of a veterinarian for whatever purpose. Sometimes it's an issue to issue an order to a person in order to have their animal taken to a veterinarian for a certain type of treatment, or depending on what we're doing, if it's part of an investigation or warrant, we may engage the services of a veterinarian to help assess the animal at their location and make a determination as to what's the best and most humane course of action for treatment and follow-up care. The PAWS Act has several sections that permit an inspector to seek out advice of a veterinarian before taking certain actions, such as removal of the animal from a situation. It's quite a challenging role, but it's equally as challenging for the veterinarian as well. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of that, before I actually ask Sarah to chime in here, did you have any comments or anything to say to a veterinarian around this challenge of things they might be faced with, but the fact is they're not the investigator. We do have those conversations from time to time, and it's important that we need to recognize and understand and appreciate the skills and experience and training that veterinarians have. They have the skills and experience and training to recognize conditions and circumstances regarding an animal. When we look at the stress in the animal, as it reads in the legislation, we look at the circumstances and conditions of an animal and decide based on our observations at the time and ask, does this animal fit this definition? That determination will provide the basis for our next steps. Well, veterinarians can speak of things that are much more clinical from a medical perspective and say, what's happening with the animal right now? We follow the definitions of distress and critical distress as it reads in the pause a veterinarian might be able to say what's causing the pain and suffering of the animal, like if there's a proven treatment uh, or is there a certain action on this. And it's very helpful to us to know this, to understand when, it's, when we're articulating what our actions are going to be. 
it's our responsibility as an inspector to make the final decisions. But their experience and their skills as a veterinarian are hugely an understated asset for us when we're moving forward and we're continuing with what we're going to be doing. While some of our inspections do result in investigations and charges being laid, our primary goal when we do an inspection is to assess compliance with the act and take action to remedy the situation, and including any distress that may be found. It can certainly be a case of circumstances where the owner of the animal themselves may need help. And there's an opportunity for us to intervene in cases where animals are brought to a veterinarian or veterinarians see an animal that may be in distress or uh, living in conditions that cause distress. And the veterinarian's insight and their experience can help us decide on the most appropriate course of action. And and Sarah, you know, th this this is a whole challenging area, right? You know, as veterinarians are faced with particular situations that come to their attention around animal welfare, and how do we make these linkages? And can you jump in and talk about that a little bit for us, please? Yeah, and I think that the it is an ongoing challenge the scenarios veterinarians are faced with and deciding how to proceed in respect to animal welfare concerns. So certainly all veterinarians have a role in animal welfare. As a veterinarian employed in shelter medicine, I would say I have a more varied and higher frequency of cases compared to when I was in private practice but I certainly encountered concerns in private practice and struggled with whether to report. At the shelter, uh, the scenarios we face are, are varied. For example, as with any veterinarian in the province, I encounter cases where there's no officer involvement required, where through the PAWS Act, I would have the authority to humanely euthanize a suffering animal, again, meeting the requirements as set out in section 61. I would also say that the, quote, easier end of the spectrum is reporting animal welfare concerns where a dog arrives at the shelter or even previously in private practice in an obviously neglected state. As Scott mentioned, we're not the inspectors. We have a duty to report concerns and those concerns should be reported. However, more challenging scenarios are when to report do arise. These uh, scenarios would be more similar to the cases I encountered in general practice. Uh, for example, uh, very thin elderly animals brought in uh, as a stray to the shelter may appear neglected, especially to some of our staff members, uh, but have more likely uh, aged in an appropriate manner. In a clinical setting, these are conversations that I could have with a client. Uh, pointing out my concerns about body condition and approaching it from a more consultative and uh, educative uh, manner. Um, but in a shelter, those might be concerns that rise a bit more quickly to the level of reporting. So there is some nuance there uh, for veterinarians, uh, most certainly. And in private practice, I certainly encountered cases, and this is more common, um, I feel, where I believed an animal to be suffering, but where an animal declined treatment and then took that particular animal home. Uh, those would be uh, cases where reporting would certainly be required, in, in my opinion, in, in most cases. 
Uh, what I also try and keep top of mind, I think we were talking about um, the veterinarian's role in this process, um, is that my duty is to document my physical examination findings and to report concerns. I'm not the inspector. I don't have the tools of the inspector. I have a different set of tools. I have veterinary medicine tools, but I don't have I don't see things through the inspector lens and I certainly don't have that education or training. So I do remind myself of that frequently, but I will say uh, sort of lastly is that what I try to keep top of mind in my role as a shelter veterinarian is that I most often encounter neglect and I do need to be mindful of the other requirements to uh, report. You know, one of the things that this raises for me or causes me to think about is how busy everyone is. So we're talking about really important roles. We're talking about challenging scenarios. We're talking about inspectors covering a lot of territory. We're talking about veterinarians who uh, are also kind of flat out, you know, uh, boots on the ground related to their work. And so some of this, as we're thinking about this session today and its focus, it's, we're talking about how these roles work together and perhaps as well, how to ensure that a veterinarian's got links, you know, is in a place where they can seek advice where they need it. And so in fostering those strong relationships, I wonder, Sarah, if you've got any tips for your colleagues on what they can keep in mind so that it's not like right at the last second, you know, that they're trying to sort this through. That's an excellent question, and it does take us back to the very infancy of this legislation and some of the bumps in the road we encountered reporting, and I'm sure many veterinarians did. Uh, but my first piece of advice regarding fostering strong relationships between veterinarians and animal welfare inspectors is to really take the time to review and understand the legislation. Understanding what's written, what our duties are, what our responsibilities are within the act are very important. Also, I don't want to make it sound like uh, at the shelter we get visits from inspectors every week. We don't meet the inspectors often, but when we do, I really take the time, if I know an inspector is in the building, to meet them, to introduce myself, and to always get one of their business cards. I've also uh, bookmarked the uh, hotline number on my desktop and I'm aware of the different numbers to report with different concerns because not every concern fits into one particular basket. Super. Great tips. I'm sure you've got some too, though, Scott. What tips would you offer out? I think, Jen, that Sarah covered it beautifully, to be perfectly honest with you. I know when speaking with my inspectors in the field as part of our training, we have conversations with our staff and tell them, you know, make the time to go out and speak with the veterinarians in your area. Introduce yourself. Provide that contact information so that they just have a question about something with regards to the legislation. You know, have that connection. We can build that relationship. We encourage that relationship building, including certainly with veterinarians. We want to make sure that we reach out to as many veterinarians that we can provide our, our personal contact information with, including business cards and everything, so that they know who's working in the area. But also, if they have any other questions about how do I report this? What's another way I can report this? What if I have concerns 
that happens after business hours or on a weekend or late at night? How do we address this? Is there someone I can speak to? And do we have mechanisms in place to be able to help those veterinarians? Our call center is available to reach out to at any time after hours. Just to throw that out there, the number can be reached at the call center at one 833 So that if a veterinarian has something that's happening, we can speak with them. We can provide them with direction and advice. We can take into consideration all the factors and determine if it's something that requires an immediate response. In many cases, it's usually something that can be followed up the following morning or within a few hours. But again, this is something that we're continually trying to do, continually trying to encourage the public and veterinarians to reach out to our inspectors. In addition, we're also looking to provide more tools for veterinarians, such as outreach pamphlets and the links and guides to reporting and questions that veterinarians may have. What happens if I encounter the situation? Who can I speak to? Is there a specialist with regards to something? We're still continuously working on creating that public education and outreach across the board. For our perspective, though, it's always encouraged that our staff reach out to veterinarians in the areas and make as many connections as possible to open lines of communication and make sure they know who's in their area. Wonderful. And, and I would also mention as well that the college itself actually has some resources on uh, reporting and trying to simplify the way to link in and to understand uh, this really, really important animal welfare system in Ontario. Thank you again to Scott Sylvia and Dr. Sarah Thompson for an engaging discussion. As mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is one session in a series of six under the title Protecting Animal Welfare in Today's World, Building Unity Through Understanding. Today was session five. The next session in this series will cover the veterinarian's role as the expert witness in animal welfare cases. For access to the podcast at a later date, please visit cvo.org slash resources. Thanks for listening.